welcome to episode 87 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. As usual, we got a busy show ahead, a lot more contract extensions to report, including one that happened, uh, I don't know, a few hours after we put out the last episode, mm-hmm. Fun Times. Yep. Uh, that would be Ryan Johansson. We'll sound off on that. We'll also sound off on a pair of Minnesota Wild contract extensions. Uh, Nino Niederreiter and Mikhail Granlin both get paid. Um, but uh, Granlin takes less term. We talk about why he did that. Um, he didn't specify why, but uh, we have our own theories as to why he did. Um, also, Mike Fisher retires. Um, we have uh, some sense memories uh, as well on that story. Um, and also the president, new captain, we'll touch a bit on that. And also uh, Connor Sheary gets a cap friendly contract extension. We've also got some arbitration decisions to report as well. And NBC released their new schedule. Uh, Brett doesn't like it. And he'll explain why. Um, first off, on a somber note, before we get underway, um, our thoughts are with Eddie Olchick and his family. He was diagnosed with colon cancer um, the day before this podcast being recorded. This is uh, Wednesday, August the 9th. So on August 8th, we found out that he was diagnosed with colon cancer. Uh, league-wide um, uh, sympathies uh, going uh, to him and his family, and uh, we like to extend ours. So, uh, Eddie, we're rooting for you. Um, as for shout-outs are concerned... Uh, this is episode 87. We all know um, who the most famous of them all is, Sidney Crosby, who, by the way, on Monday turned 30. Happy birthday, Sidney. Uh, Pierre Turgeon also wore number 87 from 2006 to 2007 with the Avalanche. Donald Brashear in his career from 2002 to 2010, he wore number 87 as well. Liam O'Brien as a member of the cast uh, in 2015 and 2017. And David Musil as a member of the Oilers in 2015. So to all of them, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. For some reason, I didn't think there was other notable players who wore 87 other than Crosby, but I guess Pierre Turgeon. Um, yeah. Um, Only for two years, but he did. Yeah. Also, uh, Mike, it was Mike Trout's birthday on 8-7 as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> something about August 7th that brings your athletic prowess. And, yeah, uh, two, two of the yeah. most polarizing players in different sports. I wouldn't say polar, polarizing for Mike Trout, but... Um, he's, he's pretty uh, good. He's pretty good, yeah, exactly. He already has a thousand hits for uh, someone our age. Um, <laughs> pretty good. Um, the uh, And also, it was Brady's birthday, August 3rd. So, yeah. Uh, something... is, he, is he 40 now? He's 40, yeah. Wow. Um, it was like a national holiday in Boston today. I bet, <laughs> so, I'll um, bet it was. Basically, yeah. Um, all right, let's get going though. Uh, so the, uh, Minnesota wild are, um, are in the news again, cause they signed, uh, two of their, um, two of their more, like, uh, I guess breakout players this uh, season. Um, so Michael Granlin uh, got signed 
5.75 million for three years. Um, Granlin had 69 points this season. Um, he's been in the league for about, uh, I think it's like four. Oh, I'm, I'm looking here. He's been in the league for five years. His best season before then. Um, I assume that's on your end. Um, yeah. Is, uh, uh, his previous best season was um, 44 points the year before. However, we should uh, mention that uh, for both these players, the Boudreaux effect might actually be real because he improved, like, he had a almost a 30-point increase um, from the next year. Um, and uh, when Boudreaux became the uh, coach. Um, so, I mean, this is... I mean, do you want to talk about him first before we talk about Nino? Um, uh, yeah, we can talk about Mikhail uh, Granlund first. Um, yeah, he's when, 25 years old as well. Yeah, um, 25. Yeah, yep. for for a guy his age, that's a pretty big uh, contract yep. extension. Um, prior to this year, the the main thing I remembered Mikhail for was remember that lacrosse move from behind the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011 World Championships. Yeah, I think it was against Russia. I that do was so silky smooth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and it, that's what people in Minnesota were expecting to see—that breakout performer—and we saw it this year. Um, five point two five million dollars he's going to make in year one. Five point five million in year two. Six point five million in year three. Noah said he doesn't have a no trade clause in any of those three seasons. Yeah. Um, and it should be noted in three years' time, they're going to have to resign Mikhail Granlund and Charlie Coyle. So. Um, Mr. Fletcher isn't out of the woods yet in that regard, but for the right. time being, he, he's, he's earned this deal. It's a deal that had to get done. His 138 helpers, just talking about um, his impact from start to finish thus far, his 138 helpers are third most on the team since 2013-2014. His four shorthanded goals are first. His 193 points are fourth. He's got the same amount of game winners over that stretch as he does power play goals. He has 11. Um, and he's been very consistent. But, again, not a single one of those years did he really have a breakout season until this year. Right. And this is how good this past year was for Mikhail Granlund. His 43 assists this past year almost matched his career-high 44 points, as you mentioned, from the year before. So that's that's a pretty staggering stat as well. And the amount of goals that he scored this year, 26, almost matched the 31 goals he scored over his first four seasons combined. And his plus-minus even improved uh, in one year. In 2015-2016, he was a minus 12. This past year, plus 23. Um, and if we look at his um, uh, other stats, 69 points, 20 power play points, both career highs, led the team in both stats. Um, in the first four years, he only had four power play goals. So again, another breakout season in that category. Um, he got seven with the extra man this year. Um, he also had three shorthanded goals and four game winners. So kind of like a Swiss army knife. He was just so versatile and he could burn you in so many ways. And he did all of this while registering 177 shots, which were fourth most and 34 behind stall for tops on the team. So imagine what his stats are going to look like if he shoots the puck more and more each year. Yes. Imagine how good this 25-year-old is going to be when 
Bruce Boudreaux continues to add to his role. And that's what Grainland says was one reason behind his big year was the fact that Boudreaux was willing to give him uh, more opportunities, more opportunities to succeed. And he went out, he played a bigger role, and he goes out and records the fourth most single-season points in franchise history. Like, considering the amount of players that have played for the Minnesota Wild, that's that's a pretty staggering uh, statistic. Fourth most single-season points in franchise history. 69 points. That's pretty good. Um, what also adds to his um, value is that he's a center, but this year they moved him to the right wing. And that also, again, allowed him to thrive as well. Yeah. But, um, again, it's that flexibility because, yeah, he can play on the wing, but he can also play center. Um, and when you have a guy that feels that this team can do some damage in the playoffs and a guy that's committed, a guy that has good work ethic, you're getting more than just a guy who put up 69 points in his breakout season. You're getting a guy that could be a key member of your team for many years to come. Yeah. And you could have a first or second line guy. Um, you could have a good option to man the point on the power play. According to a daily faceoff, they have him as one of the point man behind Spurgeon. Yeah. Um, and I think if he's banking on a couple of seasons, like the one he just had um, down the line, he's going to be due for a big payday. Um, and, and I'll get to that in a sec, but uh, just, just, uh, wanted to give you a chance to, to chime in. Was there yeah. anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I, that, that is a good point about how I think that's it is a little surprising considering we're about to talk about Nino Nitterer, Um and he got five years, but it's that, like, the fact that, you know, they also have guys like Minnesota has guys like Koivu, Eric Stahl, Zach Parise. Um, I think there's a couple of other. Chris Stewart. Anyways, there are a bunch of guys who are over 30. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Miko Koivu is gone next year. Um, he's going to be a UFA uh, next summer. Um, but, uh, so it is like, so I, I kind of forgot that he changed to a right wing. Um, so I think it's like he might be a right wing right now, but he could be their future top center if he play, if he continues on this pace, um, and you know, all signs point to uh, um, that happening. Considering Boudreaux is like a offensive god, I guess uh, everywhere he goes, there's more offense. Suddenly, um, it's the same with like what happened with Anaheim. What happened in Washington is just it's just the power of Boudreaux, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess he just finds things from forwards and. Um, is able to get the most out of them. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I could see, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see if he had, if he becomes, um, if he becomes more of a center or a right wing, um, eventually in the future. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, the future of, um, the future role that he's going to play, um, coupled with, Yep. maybe a couple more seasons like the one he just had, that could translate into big dollars in three years. Because, uh, like I said, getting less than $5 million, uh, in both, uh well, actually, no, I'm, I'm talking about a different guy. But <laughs> Mikhail Granlund's situation um, is kind of similar to what Nikita Kucherov has in Tampa Bay. Yep. Um, prior to this past year, he signed a three-year deal. He was probably looking for a long-term deal as – 
a lot of people in his situation were. Uh, he ends up getting a three-year deal, makes less than $5 million in both the first two years. He's going to be making $5.5 million in the final year of that deal. We're talking about Kucherov right now. Yep. Before signing that extension, Nikita Kucherov was averaging 30 goals and 60 points in back-to-back seasons. This past year, 40 goals and 85 points. He's going to be in RFA two seasons from now. He's going to be getting paid big money if he keeps that up. Mikhail, unlike Nikita Kucherov, is going to be a UFA in three years' time. He gets to control his own destiny if he's able to build on this year. And I think that's why he actually chose a three-year deal instead of a longer deal. Because if he's able to produce over the next couple of years, he's going to be getting the same kind of money as Nikita Kucherov's going to get very soon. I think he knows he's worth more money, and I think he's going to put in that hard work. But why sign for a long, longer when you're probably going to get seven to eight million in your next deal anyways? And I think yeah. that's why he settled for three instead of longer. Yeah, that's a fair point. Although there is something to the fact that I just mentioned how like uh, the the whole Boudreaux effect, you know. So maybe teams will be scared off in a bit if he uh, if he goes to a new team and he's not as good or something. Um, there's another thing that you mentioned as well about his shooting percentage. Um, it seems like he's more of a playmaker than a, a goal scorer as well. So, I mean, I know he had 26 goals uh, last season, but um, he also had 43 assists um, last year. And he this was his fourth year having 30-plus assists. So I think he's more of a assist guy than a goal scorer, which the shooting percentage wouldn't really have a huge effect on. So, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it will be interesting to see. I think that's also uh, from the Minnesota standpoint, I think that's also why they wanted to go with less term just because, because of his past. It's just like, oh, he only had one good year as opposed to, um, maybe, you know, let's see if he can prove that he can be more than that. Um, but yeah, you have a good point about him just wanting a payday. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of uh, <laughs> Minnesota guys who uh, improved a lot this year, uh, Nino Nitterreiter got um, five years, five point two five million. He's also twenty five years old. He also had an increase. Um, not as big as uh, Granlin did, but he had 57 points last se- this season. Um, his previous best was 43, which was uh, the year before. Um, he's kind of underrated. Now, when I was like looking at his stats, I was like, "How did I not know that?" Like, he's he's actually kind of decent. Um, he's 25 years old. Um, the I, I remember reading somewhere that he also doesn't have a no trade clause. He read. Uh, I read somewhere that he didn't want a no trade clause because he uh, he knew he didn't want like Minnesota to be in trouble if he d- starts playing poorly, um, mm-hmm. which is like a such a team guy move to say. Um, yeah. Um, but like, um, he's he's twenty five. He's going to be twenty five years old during the season. Um, what do you think of this move? Well, um, again, another move that they had to make because, again, like you said, so underrated. But 
if you look at the stats that he's put up since uh, going to Minnesota from the Islanders, it's it's easy to see why they would give him this this contract. Did you know that it, since his first season with Minnesota in 2013-2014, El Nino is ranked second in team goals with 83. That's only 23 behind Zach Parise for first. Um, also, his 173 points in his last 325 regular season games um he's got he's done that after scoring just two goals and one assist in his first 64 games as an NHLer. again those are with the Islanders so um safe to say that the, the trade to Minnesota helped him um but in the last three years he's had 20 goal seasons three straight years 20 goal seasons his 25 goals this past year were a career high as well uh, as overall plus minus has gone up 40 points since the trade out of Long Island. Again, another indication that uh, the trade helped him. Also third on the team since his arrival in plus minus in 20, since 2013-2014. Um, and you look at his power play points, only 33. That's not that impressive. But again, 57 points this past year. That gives me hope that this first or second line gem could see a bit more time on the primary power play unit. Uh, moving forward and an average annual cap hit of 5.25 million might seem like a lot but again like you said no trade clause there's nowhere to be found um and again like you said that's that's a part of the team mindset that he has he wants to limit his long scoring slumps he wants to be a 30 goal scorer he says he's ready for more ice time he was eighth amongst minnesota forwards last year he wants to play a simple game make the most of the opportunities that he gets He's saying all the right things that GMs want to hear a player say before dishing out a big a big contract like this. And if that doesn't convince you as to why this was the right move, this stat might uh, convince you. Uh, according to Michael Russo of the, of the Star Tribune out of Minnesota, Nita Ryder was ranked 15th in the NHL last year for 5-on-5 five five points per 60 minutes. Some of the other guys on that list include Connor McDavid, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Mark Scheifele, Brad Marchand, Nicholas Backstrom, and Victor Arvidsson. That's um, pretty impressive. That's that's, pretty impressive. that's uh, an elite company. Yeah. Uh, McDavid, Crosby, and Malkin, like those are three of the most electrifying players. And to be on a top 15 list with those guys, that's pretty impressive. Yep. Um, also, it should be noted that almost $12 million of the $26.25 million he's going to make uh, that'll be paid off in years two and three. And in the final year of his new contract, he's going to be making $5.475 million. This year, as well as year four, isn't going to hurt the cap so bad. Um, but again, a small price to pay if you're Chuck Fletcher. If the Wild want to compete, they need a guy like Nino Niederreiter on their team. They needed to give him what he wanted. And for a guy who has a team-first mentality, I think it's easy to do that. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's like... You can say the same for both Granlin and Niederreiter. It's like it's one of those things where they've had one great season so far. It's now they need to show that they can do, they can be consistent throughout. And I think Niederreiter has the potential, more of a potential to do that than Granlin for some reason. But uh, just because he had a slightly better numbers um, in previous seasons, but. Um. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out and all that. But uh, yeah, Minnesota is an interesting team in terms of 
how their future is going. And I think both Granlin and Niederreiter will be an important piece to that future, considering, um, as I just mentioned, Eric Stahl, uh, Koivu, um, and, um, and like, yeah, uh, are both like really old. Zach Parise is also pretty old. Ryan Suter is getting up there as well. So, um, you will see, but they have a mostly pretty young team now that I'm looking at their cap friendly page. Like Granlin, Niederreiter is 24. Ennis is 27, who they just got. Zucker, Coyle are 25 as well. Chris Stewart's 29. Uh, they have Joel Erickson Eck coming into the league at 20. Uh, Luke Coonan, who might be in this league to, uh, this season, is 19. Um, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, um, they're all pretty young as well. So, uh, I guess they're in pretty good shape for the future. It's just signing these guys for long-term. It's really the Now, w- while we're on the subject of future, um, I'm just taking a look at their cap situation as well. With Grayland re-signed, yep. that leaves Marcus Foligno as the only remaining RFA slash UFA they have to sign. Um, apparently, from what I've heard, the contract talks haven't really progressed. So, that's at a standstill for the time being. Um, next season, next off season is going to be interesting because you have Miko Koivu, like you mentioned earlier, averaging roughly the same offensive production that Nino did last season, making six point seven five million for twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. Then he's a UFA. He's also uh, Jason captain. Zucker, twenty two goals, forty seven points last year, makes two million dollars this year. After that, he's an RFA. Uh, we have Dumba, who has uh, twenty one goals and sixty points over the last two seasons. Yep. Slated to make two point five five million this year. He'll probably He's in be the priority. This year concludes, but he'll probably um, be the priority to sign uh, for Minnesota next year. Ah, uh, you know what? That's a very good question. Because um, I get they do have to worry about Zucker, but I feel like Dumba is more important for their future. Yeah, um, Dumba is probably more important for their yeah. future on defense, especially when you consider that they just traded um, Marco I mean, Scandella to yeah. Buffalo as well. I mean, you do have Spurgeon as well, but Dumba is younger even. So Yeah, um, and, and Dumba is probably their young defenseman of the future, so yeah. probably Dumba is going to be a, and, a bigger priority. But yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, taking a look at some of the other names, you also have Tyler Ennis and Eric Stahl. They're both making an average of 3 to $5 million a year for the next two years. Both right. are UFAs after that. And then Parise and Suter are making over $7 million beyond 2023-24. So, yep. um, and, then, and then in three years' time, like we mentioned, Charlie Coyle, 56 points this year. He's a free agent as well. Um, so... And and th- and, th- and this is all after parting ways with Martin Hansel, Jason Pomaville, Scandello. I just mentioned yep. Eric Halla and Ryan White since the start of the summer, who, um, again, were were um, combined. We're probably making like like upwards of ten to fifteen million dollars combined. Oh so um, resigning them would have um, been even harder on their salary cap. And all yep. of those moves were to make way for these two contract extensions. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Minnesota approaches this. They do have some guys in their farm system that could be good. Uh, Luke Coonan, you mentioned his name. Uh, they also uh, signed uh, Lease, uh, former draft pick Jack Walker, to an AHL contract. He um, has posted um, pretty good numbers um, in the WHL for an NHL six-round pick. Uh, 
over 30 goals and 70 points in back-to-back years, including uh, career highs in goals and points, 36 and 84, uh, with the Victoria Royals in uh, 2015-16. So um, he, he, he could be a guy that, you know, if they're in a cap crunch, they could bring up and he could be successful. They also got Dante Salaturo via trade, a former 67 who uh, put up pretty good numbers yep. in the OHL as well. So they have they have some depth guys in the farm system. But prior to these two signings, that's what they were doing was building up their farm system, probably in anticipation for yep. something like this in now, case they can't handle this cap crunch. Yep. Not to mention they also have Joel Erickson Eck. Um, as well, yeah, right. Coming. Can't forget about good old Erickson. Yeah, he's going to be a big uh, part of their future. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting that now that I look at their cap friendly pages, like Prize and Suter have a lot more uh, terms left, and they're mm-hmm. both like on the uh, wrong side of thirty at the moment. So that's going to be kind of like the Shea Weber thing. Only they yeah. have two guys instead of one. Exactly. That's. Uh, they might uh, be regretting that for a bit, but I mean, it might be worth it. Uh, Parise and Sutter have been pretty good for uh, in their time. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to Sutter's former team, um, and uh, we also mentioned Miko Koivu, who's the captain. Mike Fisher. Uh, so we're going to uh, Nashville here. This is a rapid fire, uh, just so we're clear. Uh, Mike Fisher retires. Uh, he's no longer the captain. Um, we talked about this briefly last uh, last episode. Um, I'm going to guess that Roman Yossi will be the captain. Um, if not, it could be Forsberg or um, maybe Arvidsson. Um, but, um, or maybe, maybe Rijo. It would be kind of funny if it was like, <laughs> wouldn't it be hysterical if Subban was the captain? <laughs> Uh, anyways, Mike Fisher uh, had uh, 585 points in 1,888 games. He spent 11 of those years in Ottawa, which uh, Steve will talk about in a minute. Um, he had seven years in Nashville. He retired at uh, 37 years old. Um yeah, that was the big because I think we uh, we teased it the uh, last episode that he was going to have a big announcement or Nashville was going to explain. Yeah, they were going to address it in about a week's time. But we thought that meant like, like, oh, they're going to ask, like they're going to say, like, oh, they're going to, you know, he's going to go to a different team. But um, yeah, so they uh, so he retired. Um, yeah, he has Carrie Underwood at home, so don't feel too badly for him. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so you can go on about Ottawa. I don't know if you remember too much in your Ottawa days because it was a long ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, back, uh, going back to the Preds being a new captain, I, I yeah. mentioned last episode that Ryan Ellis maybe would be the best guy uh, moving forward be because a, even though he's guy, got yeah. two years left on his current deal, uh, cheap price of $2.5 million, um, per year, 16 goals, tied with Victor Edmund for third at season's end amongst yep. defensemen. Almost averaged 24 minutes of ice time, third best on the Preds behind Yossi and Subban. Led all Preds defensemen with 137 blocked shots. I think 37 I, takeaways, second most amongst national defenders. He's just, it, it, it's just that he's he's got the total package. Like he can do it all, and that's what that's that's what kind of 
that that's what I envision as a captain, a guy that can do it all. But, but I think Yossi's better. I though. also look at I also look at Yossi though. On, Since 2013-2014, yeah. he's averaged the fifth highest time on ice amongst yeah. all NHL blue liners. The only guys ahead of him, Ryan Suter, Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty, and Shea Weber. Yep. And his 205 points in 306 games are also fifth best amongst NHL defenders since 2013-2014. I like Ellis's versatility, but you're right. Yossi is probably the better option, so yeah. no, no arguments there. Ellis was the uh, has been on uh, or has played for six seasons. Oh, Ryan, I was going to say I thought Ryan Ellis um, spent less, but he was all he's also been on the team for six as well. So. Um, yeah, I guess it could go to either, but I would think since Yossi already has the A as well, um, yeah. he'll probably and it, he'll probably likely get the C as well. Actually, now yeah. that I look at uh, Cap Friendly, uh, Yossi is the only person who has the A, so I think that's a tell that Yossi is getting the captaincy. Um, sorry, so uh, Mike Fisher, he was on Ottawa for 11 years. Um, you. I think you had something on it. Yeah, well, I actually, uh, I first saw this story from uh, Sense Play-By-Play announcer Dean Brown. Um, and I actually don't remember this story, but it just goes to show you how many people still do. Um, he, he covered a lot of games, the first seven, 675 games of Fisher's career, as a matter of fact. And he had a front row seat to all of them. And he was getting calls from people doing talk shows who wanted to hear about the early years of Mike Fisher. And as he said in a Facebook post, he didn't remember any particular play or goal that he scored. He just remembers this story about a little boy named Elgin Fraser. And he says he still, he still to this day, cries every time he tells it. So I'm going to read it to you. Elgin was a little boy who was only a few years old and had only months to live. He was battling cancer, diagnosed at nine months. Uh, two years go by, it reemerges. He only got a few months to live. He comes to the rink one day to meet all the players and watch practice. After a lot of goofing around, playing floor hockey in the locker room, getting the big tour of the building, Mike Fisher asked if he wanted to go for a skate. Elgin couldn't skate himself, so Mike gathered him in his arms and went for a careful lap around the ice. Elgin's face, the sheer joy, brought a tear to everyone's eye. Elgin wanted to go again, so Mike went again. More shrill laughs and again, the face, always the face, told you everything. He wanted him to go one more time, but this time as fast as Mike Fisher could skate. And his top speed was high-end even amongst NHLers at that time. So Mike looks at Elgin's parents he wonders, what if I catch an edge? What if I fall? What if he gets hurt? And Elgin's parents both had tears in their eyes. They didn't want to say the words out loud that he'd be gone in only a few months. And they just said, go. Mike made a quick little loop in front of the bench to get some momentum and then hit the gas. And the sound of Elgin screaming and laughing in pure joy is a sound I will never forget, Dean says. Elgin got his wish. It was a gift that can't be bought and can't be duplicated. A few months later, just hours after Alfie scored the game winner against Buffalo that sent Ottawa to the Stanley Cup Finals, Elgin Fraser passed away. Mike Fisher and Chris Phillips were both pallbearers at his funeral. When I think back on Mike Fisher's career, I think of a great player and a wonderful man who granted a little boy the perfect wish. 
That's the Mike Fisher that everyone in Ottawa remembers. That is what made him so beloved in Ottawa. Not anything that he did. And we're going to get to Mike Fisher, the player, in a second. Mike Fisher, the player, was a very good hockey player. But it's just that personality about Mike Fisher that everyone remembers. And and he, he didn't seek... He didn't seek any attention, like, for crying out loud, he didn't have a press conference for his retirement. He just wrote something in a newspaper. Yeah. He was just so humble and so kind to everyone. And uh, Randy Lee, when he was uh, talking on a local radio station, he was talking about Mike Fisher, and he said, telling Mike Fisher to waive his no trade was probably the toughest thing he ever had to do. Like, it pained him to do it. Yep. Because that was a part of the big rebuild that the Sens had. They traded Chris Kelly to Boston that year. They traded Mike Fisher to Nashville that year. And he didn't want to do it, but they had to do it. They're, they're basically given that mandate. And Randy Lee, that that really, really hurt. He, he really hated doing that because he loved Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher was a character guy. Um, were, were there any memories that you have of Mike Fisher, whether it was on the ice or off it? Uh, I mostly know him because, well, so my family is a big, uh, is not really a hockey fan, they're a fandom, they're more celebrity fandoms, so they always think of him as Carrie Underwood's, uh, husband, rather than Mike Fisher. Um, I don't really have too many memories of him when he was in Ottawa, um, it was like a, but it was like a touchy moment in terms of, um... Like, when I watched the playoffs this year, and, like, you know, you could see, like, like how cool it would have been if he did win the cup. It would have been a good moment for him. Um, now I'm looking at his stats, like, it's kind of unfortunate that he won't be in the Hall of Fame, but, um, you know, he, he has pretty good stats, though. <laughs> Still saying, though. Um, yeah. Uh, like, you know, he's been nominated, or he's... He's been in the Selkie running, according to hockey, um, hockey reference that I have open here. So it's um, like he was third nominated in uh, when he was 25 years old in 2005-2006 season. Um, yeah, a lot of sense in like, years that yeah, year. You know, like he's but he's like he's generally been a good face-off guy. I think that's how I know of him in a fan from a fantasy perspective. So. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely sad, but I think I think he'll be okay considering he's married to uh, Carrie Underwood. So uh, yeah, I don't it, feel too badly for him. Yeah, and getting back to Mike Fisher as a player, he was the tenth highest scorer yeah. in the '98 draft. That that list includes Lecavalier, Richards, uh, Brad Richards, I should say, Dadsuk, Tangay, Ribeiro, Scott Gomez, David Leguan, yeah. Simone Gagne, Brian Gianta, Andre Markov, who we'll talk about later. Um, Mike Mike Fisher was a pretty gifted uh, yep. talent. Um, I, for a second round pick, he was yeah. very very loyal. I'm looking at his stats and, here. So he had a career faceoff percentage of 51.3, which is oh, really good, good for a for a center. So um, yeah, uh, <laughs> this, this is even better though. Um, the stats I'm about to dish out: 675 okay. games, as I mentioned, with the Sens. Currently ranked 6th in goals with 167, 10th in assists with 181, 9th in points with 348. He was 4th in game winners with 31, and 1st 
in overtime game winners was seven. Seven overtime game winners. This is regular season two, by the way. Was he? So, but was this when he was in Ottawa? This was when he was in Ottawa, yeah. Okay. This is what he did as a senator. So he gets traded to Nashville in 2010-2011. Went on to place fourth in goals with 109. Twelfth in points with 237, just one shy, uh, one point shy of 10th on that list. Ninth in power play goals with 28, and nine and ninth in game winners with 18. Pavel Burry and Zach Parise are just a few of the shortlisted players in NHL history to be a top 10 all-time goal scorer with two different franchises. And Mike Fisher is on that list the day of his retirement. That's absolutely astounding. For, for a guy like Mike Fisher, that's astounding, the way he played the game. Yep. Um, just just a total heart and soul guy, um, but he also had consistent offensive game. He had six 20-goal seasons, 276 goals overall as an NHLer. Like you mentioned, 585 career points. He had seven 40-point campaigns at the NHL level. And in his final year, he had 18 goals and 42 points, which was the seventh-highest single-season point total of his career. He could have easily played next year if he wanted to. Just the consistency factor throughout his career was so strong, especially in his later years, he could still play and produce at a high level with the best of them. Um, And even though this year had a tough ending, he still led a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. He was the glue that kept the Preds together. He took this franchise to new heights. Um, But when he was talking on Sports Radio TSN 1200 in Ottawa, that he had a feeling this year could be it for him. He knew that at the same time, while he could still put in the work at his age, and that he knew that he'd still had the talent to play hockey at this level, he didn't want to play another year without being fully at peace with his decision. And he really enjoyed this year. He enjoyed the memories he made with so many people. He enjoyed the overall impact the Preds had on their fan base this past season. But that wasn't enough from a big-picture standpoint to convince him to play another year. And even though Hockey Canada has reached out to him about the Olympic experience, which he's never taken part in, he's not sure if he's going to play. If they ask him, he's not sure right now if he's going to go to the Olympics. He is focused on his wife, Carrie. He is focused on his son. And and that's what most players at his age are focused on. And I'm glad he retired on his own terms. I'm glad he retired at the top of his game instead of having some outside force telling him, hey, bud, it's time to quit, time to hang him up. And just straight up humble, straight up gentleman, and just a great hockey player. And uh, wish him nothing but the best. It's really sad to see him go. I wish he had won the Stanley Cup uh, at least once in his career. Um, he deserved a lot in his career. And um, now, now, now he gets to focus on the next part of his life. And he said he doesn't know what the next part of his life is. He, he wants to take some time. I could see him just being to, like just a to, just to unwind before he decides what he's going to do. I could next, see him so. being like a commentator or like a hockey yeah, guy. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I think he's got Maybe. the insight for it. Yeah. Um, we have to get going. Or, or, or it could be like um, a guy that helps, like um, a scout. He could be one of those youth hockey um, coaches. He could be one of those youth hockey leaders uh, to like help grow the game in Nashville even more. He oh, could that, be that. That'd be a good idea too. Oh, I <laughs> thought you meant like a coach kind of thing. Yeah. Or a scout. Yeah. Uh, we have to get yeah, going. Even, even a scout, yeah, or um, or or do something like what Brian Campbell uh, is doing now, um, youth hockey initiative stuff like that. So, like Brian Campbell's doing with the Blackhawks right now, maybe oh. he could do that. 
But like, like I said, the sky's the limit for Mike Fisher. I wish him all the best. Yep. We have to get going. Uh, we're yep. at 40 minutes, and we have a lot more to talk about. Wow, already. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, Joe, uh, Ryan Johansson got an extension, eight years, eight million. It happened right after we recorded. Uh, 61 yep. points this season. Um, he doesn't. I was just looking at his stats. He doesn't score a ton of goals, which I thought he did, but he used to when he was like he had 33 goals when he in the 2013-2014 season, and then he had 26 goals in 2014-2015. But I guess at the same time, if you have like Forsberg and Arvidsson on your wing, you don't really you you can just pass. You don't need to necessarily shoot and be the guy there, but. Uh, so yeah, he uh, he's kind of transitioned his game to be more of a playmaker than uh, not. He's he has forty seven assists um, this year. So um, yeah, I think it's a good deal. He's twenty five years old, which is also crazy because it feels like he's been in the league forever. Um, yeah, what do you think? Well, um, first off, it's an eight by eight deal. Like each each year is worth eight million exactly. Yep. There are no trade clauses attached to it, so it's. Uh, uh, to that extent, helpful for the Preds. Um, and just what Ryan was saying at his press conference, the fact that he wants to be their number one center for many, many years. Right. Um, he, he, he described that as his motivation going into the playoffs, was to be a number one center. Um, and he, he relished um, going up against Jonathan Taves and then going up against uh, the best guy in St. Louis and then going up against... Um, the best guy um, in Anaheim, which is Getzlav. And it could have been him and, uh, against Crosby or Malkin in the yep. finals. Like, they those might, were the Nashville kind of moments. might have actually won if he was healthy. Yeah. Uh, so those are the kind of moments that he thrives for. Those are the yep. kind of moments that he wants to be in. And he also described his, uh, his love of Nashville. He, he, he called it um, the best place to be for him right now. There's no better place to be right now than Nashville. Yep. And... Just from staff, management, team, friends, place to live, all that perspective, just a whole list of things. Nashville was first on his mind for a lot of them. And Nashville's got a unique thing going for them because Forsberg, Arvidsson, and Johansson, that's their top line. Their top line's secure for at least the next five years. All three guys are between 23 and 25 years of age. Not too many teams are in that position. And I'm sure a lot of teams would love to be in that position. Yeah, they're kind of set in that sense. Yeah. Um, they just need to um, work. And they also have the best defensive group, too. So Yeah. Um, we'll see what's going to happen with Saros uh, and Rene. But, uh, yeah, they're they're pretty set for the future. Um, now, stat-wise, stat since 2013-14, Johansson has 255 points. That puts him 11th on the NHL's points list. His yep. 91 power play points are 8th highest. And... He's only averaged the 39th best ice time as well. Yep. And that list is amongst NHL centers with at least 100 games played in this league since that season. Yep. Um, and if you put him on that forwards list, it's still it's still pretty good. He's in the top 20 in points, top 15 in power play points. Um, I The goal scoring needs to go up because he's scored 28 in the last two seasons combined in his yeah, last season concern, with Columbus he had 26 so um I, I think the goal scoring needs to go up but like you said he's he's more of a playmaker than he is a goal scorer yep. 
Like he also Brandon. has some chemistry with Scott Hartnell. Scott Hartnell said that he, he has some chemistry with uh, Johansson from his days in Columbus. Yep. So not only can he play on the top line, that also gives the Preds, uh, uh, Pierre Laviolette, the Preds head coach, more options when it comes to juggling lines. He can put Hartnell on Johansson's line if he wants to. Yeah, that could be interesting. We'll see. Uh, we have to get. I, I feel like I have to get going here. Uh, yeah, we can that, talk that, about I, I had more, but I wanted to cut it. Yeah, shorter, so. uh, Connor Sheary extension, three years, three million. He's tr- he's also twenty five years old. Uh, he's an undrafted. Uh, I don't know how the Penguins do it because they get they get like Jake Kensel, um, Connor Sheary. I think there's another guy who's also undrafted that they have. It's just like I I mean I guess it just proves that Crosby can pretty much play with anyone. Um, but uh, yeah, so Cros- uh, Sheary had fifty three points. He didn't really have a great playoffs, but I think there was a report that he was injured for most of it. Um, he had seven points in 22 games um, during the playoffs. Um, but I, I have a feeling that Shiri is probably like killing himself because I think he could have gotten more money if he had a good playoffs. Um, but he didn't. Um, but yeah, he's still like, he has 53 points. I'll be interested to see how he does when he, um, like, let's say Crosby, the Crosby line doesn't work for whatever reason. Um, like, does he, like, what happens if he's on Malkin's line? Or what happens if he's, um, you know, can he play independently from Crosby and Malkin? Uh, we'll have to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, three years, three, three millions, not bad for an undrafted guy. Um, we'll see. Well, um... You're right. It, it, not bad for an undrafted guy, and really a cap-friendly deal that the Pens yeah. are going to love for the next three years because this guy can do damage. He doesn't have to do it on the power play. Like his twenty-three goals and fifty-three points were impressive. Yes, and he only also had two, he only had two goals and five points with the extra man. And I also Most wanna, of that damage was done even strength. I want to say fifty-three points in sixty-one games. So that means yeah. there's like. Like he did. That's close to a point per game. That's really, that's really close to a point. That means there were seven, eight games where he didn't get a point. Yeah, at least that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and he was. What's also impressive, he was fourth on the team in regular season points. Only trailed Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel in that category. Yeah, and his six game winners put him in a tie for first on the team alongside Hornquist and Malkin, and sixth amongst forwards in time on ice, fifteenth on the team overall. Again. That just goes to show you how much he he took advantage of the time on ice that he got, and yep. and those are the guys that you love to have, the guys that will take advantage of the time on the ice that they get. Yep. And it's a bargain move because they're going to be paying Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel, and Chris Letang somewhere in the range of twenty five to thirty four million dollars in each of the next five seasons. And over the next two or three years, Gensel and Murray are probably going to receive pay raises. So that presents a different challenge for Jim Rutherford. Meanwhile, you're paying Shiri roughly $3 million per year to either play on the line with Gensel and Crosby or play on the line with Malkin and Hornquist. Like, this is a guy that could average 40 to 50 points a year or even higher if he's able to take his game to another level. Yep. And his plus 24 was pretty good. Actually tops amongst Penguins forwards, six amongst NHL forwards as well. So it's it's... For all the right reasons, this is a huge move for the Penguins. Yeah. Huge move. 
Calvin DeHaan is a uh, gets a defenseman or gets a extension, three point three million for one year. He's twenty six years old, which means next year he'll be a UFA. Um, we were just talking about this before the show that he's you know he didn't get protected by Vegas uh, or you know for the protection list um, by the Islanders. The Vegas didn't really uh, take him back. Um, and, uh, so he's probably pissed about that, and there's also the, uh, fact that, uh, the, um, Dumoulin got a lot more money, even though, um, he's been in the league for less, um, less, uh, less seasons, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about defensemen, uh, around Defensive the league defensemen. that are getting more money than he is, but have yep. played in the league for less time yeah, than yeah. DeHaan has. Yeah, uh. Yes, to compare to Dumoulin. Uh, so Dumoulin got more money even though he's been in the league for less uh, seasons. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it should be uh, it'll be an interesting to see. This is kind of like a prove-it deal, I would say, yeah. for DeHaan. Um, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Like, he wanted $5 million per year. The Islanders were only willing to give him $1.5 million per year at first. Um, that's a $3.5 million difference. So, um, a three point three million for one year—that's definitely a prove-it deal because, like with Hamonic in Calgary, he's got a chance to prove that he can be a top three defender. And stat-wise, didn't really have the numbers to show that he is worth five million or even three point three million. Yep. His uh, career high this past year was twenty-five points. Um, I think if he has a big year. Ideally, if he can reach maybe 40 points and get top three minutes, he's almost guaranteed a huge pay raise. From the Islanders' standpoint, I think they're hesitant to give him what he was looking for, along with the term, due to the fact that, again, uh, due to the fact that prior to this year, he didn't really flourish. Like, six of his 11 career goals came in the first three seasons combined. Uh, And prior to 2016-2017, never hit the 20-point mark ever. As yeah, he's an not NHLer, really a point, uh, like a point score yet or guy. Yet, yeah. So. but in in his first year in the OHL, he had sixty three points in sixty eight yeah. games. So he's he's definitely worth he's the hype. Capable of it, yeah. But just hasn't shown it at the NHL level. Now Maybe the other thing I should mention, though, with with the Islanders is that next off season is going to be brutal yeah. because they have a boatload of UFAs and RFAs to resign. Uh, obviously, Tavares is the big name. You also add DeHaan to that list. They have Bailey, Kuhlman, Chimera, Hickey, Seidenberg, and Halak also becoming UFAs after this year. On the RFA list, they have Nelson, Prince, Quine, Pulak, Mayfield, Gibson, and Guslevskis. And in two years' time, Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle become UFAs. Yep. So for a guy like Gar Snow, who's been known to make questionable moves in the past, um, Maybe he's hoping Calvin DeHaan doesn't have an astronomically huge season because then he's really going to have a tough decision to make. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, Nate Schmidt. Uh, so he Vegas is the first, uh, their first arbitration hearing. Uh, the arbitrator decided that Nate Schmidt will get uh, two years, $2.25 million. It was reported that Nate Schmidt wanted one year for a little bit more money, um, and Vegas wanted him for two years for just a little bit less money that Schmidt was asking. 
Uh, they decided on two years for 2.25, which isn't too bad. I mean, it's kind of interesting for Vegas considering that, like, A, Schmidt hasn't even played a game yet, and they got so many defensemen they don't know what to do with, so I don't even know what his role is going to be. He could be, like, a second-pair guy. He could be a first-pair guy. Um, so it's hard to really uh, predict how good this contract is going to be considering we don't know what what they want him to be. So um, we'll see. Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> It's it's interesting that of all the arbitration hearings, this one went the distance, and an arbitrator actually had to give out a ruling. Yep. Like everything else was resolved at the very last second or before the arbitration. Yep. This one, the arbitrator actually had to do his job and say, "Okay, players getting this over this term." Although to be um, fair, I don't know if um, because like since this is a weird situation where you know Washington like the. Vegas picked him up from Washington through the expansion draft. It's not like they really, like, they just wanted to, I don't know. Um, they could have picked Drew Bauer. They could have picked a lot of different guys off of Washington. So they definitely wanted this Schmidt guy. Um, but now they have so many, like, defensemen everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and they had Mathod, Schlemko, and, and Emelin, and they traded yeah. all three of those away, and yet the one guy that they want is just like, I'm going to take you yeah. as far as I can with this arbitration thing. And Schmidt hasn't even played a game yet for yeah. for them, so it's just it's just really funny. Um, but like, I guess I guess we could have predicted this would happen, but it's just it's just funny in that sense. Um, now, now similar to um, Dehan, like this guy had a great um, college career, although. Don didn't go to college, but post a uh, pre NHL career, he had 73 points in, I think it was 83 games with the Golden Gophers, yeah. uh, the University of Minnesota. Uh, just hasn't lived up to it in the NHL level. So, in fact, hasn't even had a 20 point season in the NHL yet. So, again, yeah. they're still waiting for him to put up that season. But he could. I You'll think, have a I lot think, of ice time. The biggest thing for Vegas is to make him feel at home and yeah. do it right away because. <laughs> If they haven't done that by year two, I think he does sleep after year yeah, two. Yeah, well, because because like Dahan, he's twenty six years old. So if he did that, that was originally why he wanted that one year contract. Yeah. So then he could be a UFA and go anywhere. But um, but he should have a lot more ice time than he would have if he was in Washington. So and yeah. this is a good sign that Vegas wanted him for two years instead. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Nathan Ballou, or Bolio, I guess that's how yep. you pronounce it. Bolio, yep. Uh, he is, uh, he got, hold on, uh, he got 2.4 million, uh, I almost got tricked here, I almost said 24 years, uh, he's 24 years old, um, he, <laughs> I have here that he's two years old <laughs> for 20, 2.4 million, 24 years, um. He's 22, he's 22 years old, he, um, wait, no, no, 24 years, hold on, two years, a 2.4 million, I think I just, uh, repeated myself, uh, he had 28 points in 74 games for Montreal, I would imagine he'll get more playing time, although, um, he had an average time on ice at 19.30, um, last year for Montreal, but um, I think Buffalo might expect more from him. 
we'll see. Um, it's, just, it's like one of those like low-risk, uh, high-reward kind of things. Um, it could work out for Buffalo, but if it doesn't, uh, it's not a big deal kind of thing. So we'll see. Yeah, and it's one of those things where they're banking on him to have a good year. They need him to have a good year yep. um, because even though Daily Faceoff has him lined up with Bogosian on the secondary units, yep. the Sabres need more defensive depth because they can't rely on Rasmus Ristolainen and Marco Scandella to put the team on their back and carry yep. them. They need Bullio to have a big year if they want to make the playoffs. They need to have Zach Bogosian have a big year in order for them to make the I playoffs. Think, Everyone I, needs to have a big year. I think Buffalo for this team just to make the playoffs of, because they've yeah. just been relying on one or two or three guys, and yeah. that's it. No, you're so, right. Um, I, I think, and, and, and the power play isn't the issue. They had a top five power play. Their penalty kill was in the bottom ten. It was terrible. Yeah. So their penalty kill has to improve. They need Bullio to be a good, solid defenseman all around. Even strength situations are going to have to be key. He needs to deliver on both fronts. And four goals and 28 points last year, that's a career high. So he needs to build on that. So, um, again, good junior resume. Hasn't really shown it at the NHL level. Started to show signs last year. 12 of his 28 points were with the extra men. So that's good. But, again, it's just even strength and in short-handed situations. That's really going to be the test for Nate Bolio. And he's going to have to have a big year for the Sabres because they need him to have a big year. Yeah, that's true. It's, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's one of those things we'll see if it if it will work out for them. Yeah, it's it's been a we'll see for Buffalo for the last three or yeah. four years, especially yeah, I last think, year. I think Buffalo just doesn't want to be in last place in the Atlantic. So uh, we'll see. I, I also think they want to be healthy. <laughs> and they want to be healthy, yeah. That'll, that'll be more important. But their defense is also an issue, too, but we'll see. Uh, Brett Pesci, a good name. Uh, he has uh, he's 22 years old. He got a six-year extension for four million. Uh, this we were just talking about Dahan, and he's been in the league for a while. But a Pesci uh, has been for less, and he gets a six-year deal. Um, but um, yeah, they also got a slab. Uh, Carolina also picked up Slevin the other day. Um, so. Um, this is more in that line there. Uh, Pesci has uh, 20 points in 82 games. Um, yeah, I, I like his first name, so uh, I don't know. Um, you have anything else on this? Yeah, again, like similar to the contract that Brian Jumelin got, also uh, in the final year of his entry-level deal, so this actually doesn't kick in until after this but to be fair, season. to be fair, Pesci is younger, so it, it kind of makes sense yeah. that you get a a longer extension. And it just shows the, how much the uh, Carolina believes in him. Yeah, and the Hurricanes are believing in a young defensive core because yeah. they have Justin Falk under contract for Noah the next Hannafin. three years. They have Hannafin and Trevor Brain Reemstike under contract for this year. Slavin. They have Eshe and Slavin lo- under lock and key for the next six plus. Yep. All five of those guys are 26 or younger. That's a solid young defensive core. Yep. Um, but... Um, Again, Ron Francis, he, 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 he says he loves this guy, loves his smart defensive game. His ability to move the puck is pretty good. But is he worth that much after two years in this league? Is he worth that much right now? Yeah, that I'm not sure. Not sure. I'm not sure about that. But it could work out for them. We'll see. It's it could. Like it could. You obviously, obviously have to feel confident in giving a, a, guy, a, two, a two-year guy that much money. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's it, – it's, I, I, Caroline is – Probably going to be one of the more intriguing teams. I'm interested to see how they're going to do this year. Yeah, they're a really intriguing too. team. 
Uh, yeah, I am too. Uh, I actually wrote about them this week on Fantrax, but uh, yeah, go check out that article then. Go check out that article. <laughs> I wrote about Buffalo as well. It was uh, <laughs> it was about uh, surprising f- top five surprising teams to watch out for. So yeah, I'm um, interested to see where they rank uh, when we go uh, with our season previews. There, I'm interested to see where you put them in the Atlantic this time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, I. I don't think I have them in the playoffs. I'll I'll send you the link. Um, we'll we'll we'll, All right. we'll we'll figure it out. I look forward to that. Okay, yeah, yeah. onward. Onward. Jamie Aleskiax uh, is uh, he got a one year eighty k uh, contract. You actually have the specific numbers, don't you? Yeah, one year deal worth nine hundred sixty four thousand six hundred and sixty eight dollars. Yeah. Which, if you want to round it down, less than a million. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, uh, the also the older brother of uh, Canadian Olympian Penny Alexiak, who won four medals at uh, the Rio Summer Games. Last um, year. But yeah, he used to be a he used to be a high price uh, defensive guy for them, but uh, yep. I guess not anymore. Um, well, uh, former first round pick uh, for sure. I mean, they have I mean they have Klingberg now. They have Essa Lindell. Um, I'm blanking on other guys they have, but um, I don't know. Oh, I, I'm uh, interested uh, how their situation on on the left defensive side uh, goes because they have uh, is Julius Honka. Is he a left-handed guy? Uh, no, he's right-handed. Oh, is he right-handed? Uh, okay. But who is left-handed is the top guy that they just come here. Oh, Mark. In a couple of years, he's going to be in the picture. They, right now, they have on the left side Mathot, Hamus, Lindell, Nemeth, and Alexiak. Hamus is going to retire soon. I mean, tell me to let Mathod go in two years. So yep. moving forward beyond the season, Mathod and Lundell are, both, are locks on the left side. Yep. So once you bring in Heshkanen, it's going to come down to if they go to a four, a four lefty, four righty system, it's going to come down to either Alexiak and Nemeth on the left side. So if you do that, uh, both are under 26 years old right now. Both are on one-year deals. Both are RFAs after this season. Both played in at least 40 games last year, averaged somewhere between 15 and 16 minutes of ice time per game. Um, you have Jordy Ben and Johnny Odudia out of the picture now. It's time for either Nemeth or Alexiak to step up and make an impact because um, moving forward, they're probably going to have to decide as to which of those two they're going to keep and which of those two they're going to trade. Yeah, I guess it is between those two in terms of competing against each other. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Mark, like uh, every NHLer, it's a big year for Jamie Alexiak. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, Markov goes to the KHL. Akbar's Kazan. He, uh, we reported last week that Montreal decided not to take him. Apparently, Markov wanted a two-year deal with Mo- uh, with Montreal just for security for his family. Um, it didn't work out. Montreal didn't even want one-year deal. Um, uh, he also received offers from other teams, but decided to stay in the KHL. If you remember, his uh, his uh, ex-wife died um, of cancer, uh, so he has to take care of his kids. So I guess it makes sense that he goes to the KHL. It's not like a Ilya Kovalchuk kind of move. Um, so um, yeah, it's good for him. Uh, Larry Robinson also had some choice words, not uh, not choice words, but uh, uh, kind of a funny quote here. Um, so he was he kind of he complimented uh, both Alsner and Strite, and um, 
he says here, in retrospect, Bergevin had to cover his butt. He can't all of a sudden come September say, here we are, we weren't able to sign Markov, so who are we going to take his place? They've got a very good, steady, physical, defensive defenseman in Alsner. I also think they got a pretty good quarterback in straight, who, wherever he's been, has been one of the go-to guys on defense on the power play. Bergerman has done a good job in finding people to fill the gap in the event they weren't able to sign Markov. And then he uh, jokes, for what it's worth, if I'm Markov, I've got to feel good that they had to get two people to replace me, which I think is a funny quote. Um, yeah, he had, Markov actually probably could have played another year um, in uh, in the NHL. He had 36 points last year with uh, 62 games. That's like a .5 point pace for a defenseman. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, and we also, uh, yeah, the uh, the salary cap situation for the Canadians, I think you're going to talk about. Yeah, um, and on top of that, he overcame three potentially career-ending injuries yep. while doing that. And here's what the 38-year-old Russian was able to do with his time in Montreal. 990 against played, six most in franchise history, 572 points, 17th all-time. 453 assists, 6th most all-time, 60 power play goals, ninth most all-time, 32 playoff points, 8th most by a defenseman in Canadian's history. That's very tough to replace. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I also think the Olympics, to a certain extent, maybe um, influenced Markov a little bit yeah, because there's there's nothing holding him back. And, like, he can still play with the best of them, as yeah. you mentioned. Um, like, he... Um, he um, averaged like forty to fifty points prior to this year over three straight seasons, and yeah, he, had 40 he was points four points shy year, of forty right. this year. So, yeah. um, but again, the cap situation—they couldn't afford Markov. Maybe in year one, but definitely not in year two. And here's what I mean: um, Shea Weber goes from twelve million dollars to six million dollars after this year is over and done with. However, Carey Price goes from seven million to $15 million over a similar time frame, and it's going to stay at $15 million the year after that. Then you have Jeff Petrie, Jonathan Druin, Max Pacioretty, and Carl Alsner, who are all making between 5 to $6 million in 2018-2019. Um, so, it, for, still, like it's tough for Bergevin to work around that cap. I understand that. But Sportsnet's Kim, Tim McAuliffe made an interesting point. This is that this is a win now franchise who just lost Markov, previously lost Radulov. They get Strite and Hemsky to fill those holes. Doing that is, in my opinion, a waste of potential with Kerry Price at his prime. Yep. And I can see why and the they, average Montreal Canadians fan would be upset uh, because yeah, you got those holes to fill, but we're in win now mode. These and, guys aren't win now players. And the and they had Subban last year, but they're yeah. killing themselves. They treated him for Shea Weber. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, in other news, uh, yeah. I mean, as a as a Habs, uh, uh, as a Bruins uh, fan, I'm glad that now Montreal is like Markov retired, and now Montreal's more screwed. But I'm also he was a he was a good opponent to uh, to root against. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, so. Yeah. I feel the Hatchet same way uh, being yep. uh, from another division rival in the Ottawa Senators. Yep. So, that's Hat good tip to him um, for that. Uh, 
NBCSN scheduled. So this is really only relevant to people in America. I mean, you can tag along here, uh, Steve. But uh, so NBC and NBCSN uh, revealed their schedule this uh, this week, or I think it was last week. Um, they mentioned that the Blackhawks have the most games with 17, uh, 17 games that they're going to show. Uh, the Pens and the Flyers have the second most with 16. Bruins have the fourth most with 15. Um, here's where it gets a little annoying because the Leafs have three, the Oilers have three, and Columbus has one. Um, Columbus I, I don't have too much of a problem with. It's more that, so there's... I, I mean, should also mention quickly, Columbus plays Buffalo early in the season, and yeah. that's the only time you see them. Yeah. So, so, so they them out of the way, like, right right in the first couple of weeks, Columbus is done. Yeah. So here's the thing. So there are about, like, the two most important players in the league right now are a guy named Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. Yeah. Um, and they just so both happen, I mean, for obvious reasons, I don't know if I need to explain that, but... Uh, you know, Connor McDavid has hype like Gretzky right now, and he could be, even surpass him. Uh, Austin Matthews has been one of the best American uh, players that we've seen in a long, long time. Um, I mean, Eichel, you have Eichel, but it's just, you know, uh, he's on the Leafs. But um, but they just so happen to be on a Canada, can, two Canada, Canadian teams. Um, so it's been a long thing for NBC where it's uh you know they want to get they want to get the more you know like two fan bases at least so if they put it on a canadian team they're not going to get a lot of other you know they're only going to get one like let's say it's boston versus the leafs or for whatever reason um you know they get mostly just the boston bruins fans and they want to get as many Leafs fans as they want, because Leafs fans are watching it on uh, Sportsnet. Um, so, however, like I'm, I'm a Bruins fan, but I'm also a hockey fan. I don't want to see the Bruins <laughs> for 15 times. If I'm like, you want to see good hockey, don't yeah, you? I don't like like any fan. Yeah, I I would rather. Like, I feel like it's better for the growth of hockey if you show Connor McDavid more often and Austin Matthews more often. It just would get more people more interested than seeing, like, Patrick Kane for the 100th time. You know, it's... Um, so, it, and, and that's the other thing, too. Like, I can understand the Penguins, but, like, the Blackhawks were, like, good. Like, they're, they might be okay, I guess, this year, but they weren't, like, they're not, like, we're, we're kind of sick of them, you know? Uh, the Detroit's Penguins, been uh, Detroit's on the schedule, I think I read, ten times. Okay, that's, that's nuts. <laughs> like, they missed the playoffs. The Flyers yeah, are in 16 games. The Flyers games. have like, 16 fair, games. The Flyers have some upside, but still. But, uh, like, I think it's it's more that, like, NBC's focused on the markets. So, like, yeah. they know that Chicago fans will watch. They know Boston fans will watch. They know everyone Detroit, in Pennsylvania. Philly, et cetera, yeah. They know everyone in Detroit, everyone in Pennsylvania, whether it's Pittsburgh or Philly. Um, so they know that those guys will watch. And of course I'm going to watch too it being in Boston, but at the same time, you're not going to get like any casual fans watching those games because the flyers and the, like, I mean, 
I'm going to be a non-homer for a second. The Bruins aren't necessarily going to be like a playoff contender. I mean, they are going to be a playoff contender, but I don't know if they'll be like, they're not like an they're not a elite team per se. So uh, the Penguins are probably the only one that I would be okay with seeing a lot more games of because that makes sense. They have a you know they have a huge fan base, but it's just I don't know. It's just uh, it's just frustrating as an American fan. I wish I was in Canada, man. <laughs> just just uh, just we are so just, good up here, man. Yeah, I know. It's so good with Just all talk our about hockey. hockey all day. Like we, we, we even get it, we, yeah. uh, and like we get we get uh, Sunday afternoon hockey on NBC. So yeah. we even we even get uh, the the games that you guys would normally get. Yeah, just uh, on top of the games. Well, apparently get. they said uh, I was reading an article that the NFL. So the NFL had a Hall of Fame game, which is like a preseason game. It doesn't even count. Yeah. Um, and it, the, uno- the unofficial beginning of the NFL season because yeah. everything else that's good comes shortly after that. Basically, yeah. Anyways, that had better ratings than the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love football, so I can't really like be like, oh, oh God. But it's it's still like, uh, it's, it's nuts. Um, yeah. The rest of the nation is obsessed with football. Um, let's see here. I think that's it. Uh, social media, Twitter, um, at Laysome Podcast, uh, Facebook, Laysome Up. Uh, we're on the Fantrax Network. You can listen to us on fa- fa- Fantrax Radio. Uh, we just made the time limit, um, <laughs> so I'm happy about that. I feel that's a first. No, well, we, we, we made it the last couple of episodes that we tr- we've been on fan track, so okay, you, you uh, probably keep track of that better than yeah. I do. Well, I mean, yeah, I have the ticker on me right here. Um, the uh, I also I, I teased the article. I have uh, five teams to watch out for um, in a fantasy perspective uh, that could surprise, kind of like a Columbus, Toronto, Edmonton situation. Um, I doubt we'll see them this season, but. I have like I think I have Carolina, Buffalo, um, Arizona, Winnipeg, and New Jersey as my five teams. So, um, so there goes your clickbait. I saved you a click. Um, <laughs> but no, read it. Read it for uh, I have I have some sleepers on every team. Um, you can email us at laceupbag at gmail dot com. Uh, I think that's it. Unless you want to say anything. Really quickly. I think you did. You mention SoundCloud and iTunes. I think. You did, oh yeah, you? we're we're on SoundCloud and iTunes for the time being. But yes, we are. Right. We are on that. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Stephen. You're Stephen Ellsworth. Um, all right.